Welcome to the Emmanuel Church Podcast, where we believe God is with us and speaks to us wherever we're at, whether at work, home, or on the move. We'd love for you to be connected with us by visiting us at myemmanuelchurch.com or any social media platform using at myemmanuelchurch. Thanks for being with us, and we hope you enjoy this message. In Jesus' name, we all say amen and amen. Amen, amen. Welcome everyone to Emmanuel Church. We are so happy that you are with us this morning. Uh, My name is Jonathan. I'm usually running the sound upstairs, but today Pastor Gabriel gave me the opportunity to share the word. Uh, Thank you to the worship team for leading us in worship. They always do a great job. Let's give them a round of applause if you would. Um, just one quick announcement before I get into it. E-groups are starting once again. We had a great time gathering together last time. Uh, well, it was online last time, but we are going to meet once again in person in the annex next week, 7 p.m. on Friday. You don't want to miss out. We hope to see you guys there. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and get right into it. Somebody was asking me, you you guys can have a seat. Uh, Somebody was asking me if I was ready to preach the sermon this morning. And I was thinking, you know, are we really ever ready for anything? Um, I know uh, we had a program called Royal Rangers here. I grew up in that. It's kind of like the, the Boy Scouts, if you don't know what that is. And we had the, the motto, which is like, ready for anything. We're supposed to be ready. It's like, what's the motto? Ready. Ready for what? Ready for anything. And, and it goes on. But but when she asked me if I was ready for the sermon this morning, that, that was not my answer. It was not ready for anything. It's just, and I told her, my philosophy for preaching is ready or not, here I come. So, so that's what I'm just coming in this morning, coming in hot, just like a fajita. If you know that song by Andy Mineo, it's one of my favorite. Edward knows what I'm talking about. Um, but if you know me, you know that I am studying for a degree in finance, and I like to talk about finances sometimes. Maybe you've heard me share a few investing stories before. Um, and the way I think about investing stories is kind of like, it's kind of like fishing stories. If you know a fisherman or a fisherwoman, you, you, you hear them talk about a story where they say, you know, I had this fish on the line and it was this big, right? But well, where's the fish? You know, it's, it's not there. There's no, there's no proof. They didn't put it on their Instagram story. There's nothing. And that's the same way with these uh, investing stories. It's like, man, you know, I I was just right there. If I would have invested a little bit more, if I had held on to my investment a little bit longer, maybe, you know, I could have had these huge returns on my money. But but what? No, there's nothing. Um, You know, a few of them, you know, Bitcoin, maybe you've heard about it in the news lately. The price shot up to like 60000 uh, just for one Bitcoin, and uh, I've actually known about Bitcoin for a really, really long time. Um, I remember when Bitcoin was worthless, essentially. I, I remember reading a story when somebody paid 50,000 Bitcoin for a pizza. That's that's how much it was worth. And 50,000 at today's prices would be like $3 billion. So somebody paid $3 billion for a pizza like 10 years ago. Uh, And I had always kept track of the Bitcoin price over the years because it was just something I was interested in. It caught my attention. That's before like hardly anybody knew about cryptocurrencies. I would get on Google and put Bitcoin price and it would go up. You know, I'd see it like at $100, at $200, at $1,000. And I'd be like, oh, you know, that, that's cool. If, if I actually had the money to invest in that, you know, I probably would. And But it's just that, that thought of, like, man, like, if I only had the resources at that time, 
to invest. If I could just go back in time and, and tell myself, hey, this is something we need to invest in right here. This is an opportunity. But we can't, can't do that. Can't do that. It's just, like I said, it's an investing story. It's like, man, I almost had it, but no. And then uh, this is a popular story I like to tell about the, the stock pin national gaming always tell this story uh, at the beginning of the pandemic. You know, there was a lot of stocks that fell in price. And there was this one that was uh, Pin National Gaming. It's a company. It was worth $40 a share. And then when the pandemic hit, it dropped all the way down to $4. And I bought some. And a few months later, the price rose up to $40 a share. And I was like, man, I just 10 times my investment. That's pretty good. And don't think that I made a lot of money. I didn't buy very many shares, so that's not the point of this story. I was like, but yeah, 10 times my money, that's pretty good. I should go ahead and sell. So I did. And then a few months later, it's like, oh, it's not at $40 now. It says $130 a share now. So I was, uh, I would have 20 times my investment there. But once again, what do I have to show for it? nothing uh it's just it's just a story of like man i had that fish on the line but where's the fish at we're not we're not eating dinner tonight um but it's like these investments we don't know how they're going to turn out like i said i wish i could go back in time if only i knew then what i know now but you just never know. We can't tell the future. We don't know how the, the future is going to turn out. And, you know, I can't tell you this afternoon what to invest in that that's going to get you uh, a large return. I can't tell you go, go invest in Dogecoin. It's not doggy coin. It's not Dogecoin. <laughs> like some people say, it's Dogecoin. It's another cryptocurrency. I can't tell you to go invest in, in some Tesla and, and that's going to get you a nice return. I don't know how that's going to turn out. I don't know about any uh, financial investment that you can make. But I am talking about investments this morning. And I'm talking about how can we invest the resources that God has given us. I'm not talking about money. I'm not going to pick up an offering here. I'm talking about different kind of resources. I'm talking about the life that God gives to us. How will you invest your life? How will you use your time and your emotions and your passions and your abilities and your strength? How will you use those investments? I'm not talking about an earthly investment. I'm talking about a heavenly investment. See, any investment we can make here on our time and earth in, in, in the stock market or in a business, we might get some uh, returns on that, but it only has so much value. But when we invest our lives into the kingdom of God, the returns on that are immeasurable. It's not something that we can measure. Uh, I don't know if you know anything about the stock market, but each company has uh, what's called a ticker symbol. So if you want to invest in Microsoft, you look it up, it's MSFT. That's the symbol they use. Or PayPal, it's P-Y-P-L. So I'm telling you to invest in K-O-G this morning, kingdom of God. And uh, so we are talking about investments today, and, and maybe you are, can already you know, if, if you're familiar with the stories in the Bible, maybe you already know what, what story I'm going to be reading out of today. It's the parable of the talents. In some newer versions, it's called the parable of the bag of gold. Uh, that's Matthew 25, verse 14, verses 14 through 28. Um, I went a little bit old school today. I'm not using an iPad or anything. I brought my actual Bible with me. I don't even have my notes on an iPad. I brought some paper with me. So hopefully I don't get confused with all of these resources up here. Um, 
But Matthew 25, I'm going to go ahead and turn to it. Starting in verse 14, it says, For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once, traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. Somebody tell your neighbor, settled accounts. I don't like the sound of that. If somebody comes to settle an account with me. And and, uh, verse 20, he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. And his master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. Uh, Lost my place here. You have been faithful over a little. I'm trying to look at y'all, but I should probably just keep my eyes on, on the book. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also who had the two talents came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him once again, well done, good and faithful servant. Uh, Verse 24 He who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. And what does the master say to him? He says, you wicked and slothful servant. That's not something I would want to be called. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered, scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him who, and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has will more be given and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast that worthless servant into the outer darkness, in that place where there will be weeping, gnashing of teeth. Let's say a a quick prayer. Lord, I ask that this word would speak to us, that it would penetrate our hearts, that we would accept it, believe it, and apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, looking at the, the first verse in this passage, verse 14, it says, it will be like. And what are we talking about here? What is the it? It is the kingdom of, the kingdom of God, K-O-G. So if you ever want to know what how God works. How does the kingdom of heaven work? How does God manage his affairs? It says it right here. It will be like. It's explained to us. It will be like a man going on a journey who entrusts his property to his servants. That's what the kingdom of God is like. Now here Jesus is uh, sharing this parable with his disciples. And it's actually a larger part of a of a teaching he's having with them. If you go to, you don't have to turn to it, but in verse 24, this is how it, start, how it starts. His disciples, when they're in private with Jesus, they ask him, tell us when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? They're asking him about the second coming. They're asking him about the end of time. 
And this is where this parable comes in, where Jesus is explaining about the end times and about his second coming. Uh, you, you can read in, in, in uh, chapter 24 and 25 where Jesus talks about no one knows the hour. He talks about wars and rumors of wars and famines and earthquakes and persecutions and false prophets. Some of these things have been going on for a long time and they're still happening today. We are in the uh, end times Ever since Jesus ascended into heaven, we're in the end times. And then Jesus, as he's explaining these things, he shares several parables. And this is one of them. A master goes away and entrusts property to his servants. And we can see clearly that, that this aligns with what happened with Jesus himself. Jesus is the master. Jesus was crucified. Jesus was resurrected. And then he ascended into heaven. He's no longer here with us. That is his going away when the master went away. That's him going away. But in the same way that these servants were entrusted with property, Jesus also did not leave his disciples empty-handed. The disciples that he was with, they were given a mission to make disciples of the nations. They were given the ministry. He taught them. He spent time with them. What better thing can you give to somebody else but your own time? That's the most valuable thing we have that we can give. Time. You can't get time back. And he spent time with them. He gave them the Holy Spirit, we read in Acts. He said, I did not leave you alone as orphans. So we're not left alone. The master did go away for a time, but he did not leave the disciples empty-handed and we also are like these disciples you see the master went away and now the disciples are in a waiting period until the master comes back all of us are in this waiting period right now as you're sitting in that bench you are in the waiting period until the master returns and you also have been entrusted with property from the master. Now, the Lord, to me, he did not give any bags of gold or any talents. Um, if he did give a bag of gold to you or any talents, uh, we can have a meeting after church about some investment strategies, some investment opportunities I know uh, Big City Suites is looking for some investors over here. We have some business owners over here. Um, but I think about what the Lord, when I reflect on my own life, what the Lord has given to me. And one of the first things that, that I think about is that the Lord put me into a pastoral family. I mean... What, what, is that, what does that mean, I asked myself. What, 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 does, what is that worth? What is the value of that? And, and also, I was raised in church. That was something that was entrusted to me. The, the, the Bible teaches that God determines the times and the places for each person. He puts us where we are at. He decides who we're born to and where we live at and the circumstances around us. I mean, he doesn't control the people around you. He didn't make them do anything to you. But he controls, he puts us in our place. And this is where he placed me at. This is what I feel that he has given to me and what he has entrusted to me. He allowed me to go to Bible college and, and study the Bible and study ministry. Maybe more than, you know, not everybody gets that opportunity. So this is something that was entrusted to me. I'm asking you to reflect on what God has entrusted to you. But it goes deeper than that. I, I'm here at this church, Emmanuel Church. Like, why am I here? Why did God put me in this church? Why did he give me the opportunity to be here? Why did he surround me with these people and my fellow workers? Why was this entrusted to me? 
see the things that God has entrusted to us it's 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 not bags of gold it's your time it's it's your relationships it's the people that you are around it's your everything that you have that is what is entrusted to you and what the master has given us has a lot of value it ha- it's not something insignificant you could think about your life and maybe sometimes uh, maybe you doubt yourself and maybe you think like oh well you know I, what do i have i don't have very much but do you think that that's how god sees it that the life he has given you is not very much no that the life that you've been given it's of there's no value that you can put on that he has given us something of value like in the parable where he gave these servants the talents a talent was no small amount of money in that time the talent one talent was the equivalent of 16 to 20 years of wages that's what people smarter than me have calculated it is not a small thing to entrust something to another person i don't know if you've ever let somebody borrow something that belongs to you I see people giving each other looks right now. They're already eyeing each other. Uh I remember I had just bought a couple of years ago. I had just bought a gaming laptop. It wasn't top of the line, but it was pricey for me. And uh some friends of mine, they wanted to to borrow it to hook it up to their TV so they could watch Disney Plus. The Disney Plus just came out. the mandalorian they wanted to watch the mandalorian they didn't have a smart tv so they had to use my laptop and you know i had just bought this laptop and i'm like the guy who came to ask me i'm like only you you're the only person who can touch this nobody else and i just want you to know that if something happens to it you're going to have to replace it you know it, it was valuable to me and maybe you know it's like kind of like a joke when you let somebody borrow something and you tell them guard this with your life right but that's how i felt about this laptop i'm like man like you got to take care of this so i'm saying it's no small thing when we entrust something to another person when we give them responsibility over something and god has given us responsibility over much He's entrusted us with this property with your time with your life to be given responsibility is no small thing it is not a small thing we can't just say like oh god gave me life that's nothing no we cannot say that now in this parable this servants were given responsibility for these bags of gold and what did they do with them in verse 16 you see one went at once and he traded with his talents so there was a sense of urgency there a sense of i've got to get to work right away and he made five talents more and the the second one he doubled uh, the talents as well the one who was given to two talents two talents more he made and then there was a third a third servant who buried his talent in the ground he did not create any additional wealth there was no more talents that were made there uh what we're looking at here is maybe we can call it investment strategies the two who went to go trade they meaning they engaged in business and they doubled what was given to them and the third one was not much of an investment strategy really it, he buried his talent in the ground now the two servants that doubled what was given to them this took a lot of work I had already shared with you that one talent was worth 16 to 20 years of wages. Can you imagine 
if somebody came to you and said, here's 20 years worth of your salary. Now I need you to double it. Do you know how to do that? Do you know how to manage money that way? So do you think it was easy for these servants to double what was given to them? And what about the one who was given five talents? Five times 20. He was given a hundred years worth of an average salary at that time. If somebody gave you a hundred years worth of your salary, would you know how to manage that kind of money? It's not what I'm trying to. My point is this was not something that was easy for them to do. They had to put a lot of work into doubling what was given to them. And the stock market didn't exist back then. They couldn't go just invest their money into Tesla or Apple or, or Dogecoin or Bitcoin. They couldn't just, okay, I'm just going to drop my money in here couple decades later, boom, it's doubled. No, that didn't exist. To double their money, they had to start businesses. They had to grow businesses. They had to manage businesses to grow that money. And that's not an easy thing to do. Like I said, uh, I pointed out we had some business owners here earlier today. These servants, there was no stock market they could invest in. They had to start a business to double their money. And it's not an easy thing. So as, as business owners, is it easy to grow your business? Is it easy to manage it and grow it? No, it's not easy. It took a lot of work. Now, these, this, third, this third servant, he, he did a little bit of work, too. He, uh, he had to go get himself a shovel. He had to... Dig a little hole. There's, a, there's an old song. Everybody's laughing. There's an old children's song from a long time ago. A church, Christ, children's church song. It goes, dig a little hole, dig a little hole, dig a little hole and put the devil in. Dig a little hole, dig a little hole. What is it? What's the last part? I don't know, but, but this, this is what this servant was doing. He, he dig a little hole, dig a little hole, dig a little hole and put the talent in. That's what he did. He did a little bit of work, okay? Covered it up with some dirt, and that was it. That's all the work that he did. So you have these other guys who are putting in the work, starting businesses, growing businesses, and this other guy, dig a little hole. Dig a little hole. It's a big difference. It's a big difference. And uh, the, the Bible tells us the master was away for a long time. So this whole time that the master was away, that's all the guy did? He just dug a hole, put his talent in? What was he doing the rest of the time? Sleeping? Maybe just chasing after his own goals, maybe just doing whatever he thought, doing what he wanted to do, doing what was important to him. I don't know. I don't know. But uh, but his uh, investment strategy was not very good, to say the least. My question to you is, which of these servants are you? Are you... One of these two servants who, who went to work right away and invested wisely what was given to them. Or are you this other servant who takes what, we, what was given to him and buries it into the ground? I was uh, watching another preacher who was speaking on this same parable and he said the, the theme of this parable is waiting. He teaches us how we are supposed to wait for the return of Christ. So his theme that he got out of the passage was that we are to wait as servants who have been given the task of increasing the master's assets. We are to wait as servants who have been given the task of increasing 
the master's assets. That, that, that's what we are supposed to do in this waiting period while we're waiting for Christ to return. And which one of these uh, strategies do you think would work best to increase the master's assets? Is it putting in the work or is it putting the talent in the ground? What do you do with what God has entrusted to you? What do you do with your time and your life and your effort and your relationship and your circles of influence and your abilities, your education? What do you do with it? Do you put it to work to increase the master's assets, to grow the kingdom of God? Or do you bury it and you go about pursuing your own goals and doing whatever it is that you would like to do? Which servant are you? And even if you do, let's say, put in the work, are you putting in the work into the right things? There's, a, uh, there's a, an idea in the world of finance called future value. And it's talking about when you put a certain amount of money into an investment, what's the future value? How much is it going to be worth in a certain amount of time? If I take $10,000 and put it into an account that pays 10% interest a year, how much will it be worth in 20 years? That's how we should think about our investments with what God has given us. What's the future value of this? What's the future value of money at your death? Nothing. That has no value at your death. What's the future value of titles and reputation and what other people think about you at your death? Zero. That it has no value. What's the future value of, of a sinful lifestyle? Negative. What's the future value of putting off God and ignoring the things of God? Negative. The future value at your death? Negative. What's the future value of loving God with all of your soul and your mind and your strength and of loving others as your neighbor, uh, loving your neighbor as yourselves? What is the future value of that at your death? Priceless, immeasurable. When we're talking about investment strategies of, of investing the resources that God has blessed us with, it needs to be one that has a positive future value at your death. Our investment strategy should be aligned with that verse that says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart is also. That's what we need to align our investment strategy with. I don't know about you, but I don't want my heart to be where the vermin and the moths and the thieves are. Is there anybody that's where you want your heart to be? Anybody? Or do you want your heart to be in heaven where there's no vermin and moths and thieves? Where your treasure is untouchable? Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. That's what these uh, servants were doing. The ones who doubled the master's assets. See, the master's Jesus. What is it? What is his, uh, his business? The kingdom of God. They sought first the kingdom of God. 
So these servants, they carried out their investment activities, carrying on business, business as usual, managing their business, growing their business. And the other one, he was just waiting. He knew his talent was in the ground. Maybe he was just off doing, like I said, whatever he wanted to do. And they're just living their lives. And then, verse 19, at some point, unexpectedly, the master returns. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. Settled accounts. Tell your neighbor again. He settled accounts. So the master came. He wants a a account. He wants a report from the servants. What did they do with what they were entrusted with? And the first one, he comes up and he's proud and excited. And he's like, master, you gave me five talents. Here are five talents more that I have made. And the master, he's overjoyed. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. I have, uh, you have been faithful over a little. Now I will set you over much. Somebody pointed out. He was like, wait a minute. So the master just called the five talents a little. He's like, you've been faithful over a little. Five talents was millions and millions of dollars in today's, in today's uh, value. It's not a small amount, but the master calls it a small amount. He says, you have been faithful over a little. He calls five talents a little. And he says, I will set you over much. I will set you over much. And it's not even talking about, uh, you know, our time on earth. This is talking about later on. This is talking about the new heavens and the new earth. In that time, he was the master will set you over much. Enter into the joy of the master. And the same for the, the second. I have made two talents more. Well done, good and faithful servant. And the third, you know, maybe they were in a line and the master was at his table. And they were, you know, he saw the other two servants. He heard the conversation. The door was closed, but he was, he was listening in. And uh, he's thinking, well, maybe, maybe he's a little bit nervous now. He's like, man, I, I did not do what those other two servants did Maybe he's a little bit anxious. Maybe he, he's, he can't really look the master in the eyes. He's like, I knew you were, he's like, I knew you were a hard man. I, I, I knew that you reap where you did not sow. So I was afraid and, you know, I just buried my talent in the ground. But here's your talent. You can have it back. And the master says, You wicked and slothful servant, cast the worthless servant out into the inner outer darkness. Take away what he has and give it to the one who has ten talents. This is how the kingdom of God works. It will be like, and we can think like, Man, that, that sounds really harsh. Like, take away from the guy who had a little bit and give to the one who had ten talents. It doesn't sound fair. But what we have to think about here is this is talking about uh, faith. It's talking about people who during the waiting period, they had faith and they did something with their faith and the one who did not have faith the one who buried his talent in the ground who buried his faith in the ground and did nothing with his faith when the master comes and you have no faith when you do not believe in the son of god Everything is taken away from you, even what you had, what God entrusted to you, your life and your resources and your the friends that you had here on earth. Those things are taken away. 
That's what it's talking about. They're left with nothing. They're cast into the outer darkness. But yet those who had a little in this life, who, who were given that, who were also given time and life and relationships, and they were, they were given the word of God, and they believed and they had faith and they were wise and they managed it well, everything is given to them. The kingdom of God is given to them. They will be set over much. That's what it's talking about. The one who had a little bit but did ha- had no faith, everything he had is, will be taken away. But the one who, who had faith, they will receive everything. That's, that's that what, the, what that principle is talking about. The master Jesus will return. You can read it throughout the Bible. It describes it in words like coming on the clouds of heaven with the sound of a trumpet, like lightning unexpectedly, like a thief in the night. And he comes to judge the world. He comes to settle accounts. Which of these servants would you like to be? I don't know about you, but when Jesus returns to settle accounts, I don't want to be that servant that said, Lord, I, I knew you to be a hard man, and I just, I just buried what you gave me into the ground, or I wasted it on other things that didn't even matter. I don't want to be that servant who's told, you wicked and slothful servant. I don't want to be that one. I don't know about you, but I want to be able to give a good report and say that, that Lord, you, you entrusted to me to be at Emmanuel Church. And, you know, we had these uh, e-group gatherings and we learned what we did. I mean, we, we learned what we could and we took it and, and we told others and we invested into others and we loved others. And we were able to, to grow the master's assets. I want to be able to give a good report. When I was a uh, worship team, I, can I get your help over here? When I was in Teen Challenge, it's a Christian substance abuse recovery center. We used to go fundraising on the weekends. Uh, set up outside of Walmart, Ace Hardware. We would set up some tables, and we would have these wooden crosses that we'd give away in exchange for donations. Crosses were handmade by the students in the program. Beautiful crosses. And and one day I was going out with a couple of guys, and I had like two of the best fundraising guys with me. I mean, every time these go guys would go out, they'd they do well. They just had that, that go-getter mentality. But I wasn't excited about this weekend because we were sent to a, a place that really didn't, it never did well. You hardly make any money there fundraising. It was at a car wash. And, and people, they don't really, like when you're at Walmart, it's like they're just in and out all day long. And you can just talk to them easily. They're right in front of you. But at the car wash, it's not like that. You don't have traffic there. It's just. Some of them come and sit down where their cars are being washed. They don't pass by you. You have to go up to them. Uh, summary is, it's a lot less traffic and a lot more work to get donations in this place. But for whatever reason, on this particular day, these two guys that were putting in work, we had people buying that were coming up to us. One guy said, give me five crosses. We were selling out so much so that I had to call my boss and tell him, hey, we need another delivery of crosses over here because we're, we're doing some fundraising today. And at the end of the day, usually at this car wash, you'd make like $150 usually. But at the end of the day, we made close to $2,000 that day. And uh, so I called my boss to give him that good report. I was like, hey, the guys did really well today. We, we were able to raise close to $2,000. And he was happy. 
with that report. And he said, now you take those guys and you take them somewhere nice to eat. You reward them for their work today. And uh, so he went to Golden Corral Buffet. They got to eat as much as, as much as they wanted to. Now, maybe you're like, oh, I don't even like Golden Corral. But trust me, when you're in this program, that's some of the best food you're going to get. Because usually it's like, oh, you made $200? Get them a McDonald's. McDonald's. But no. It was Golden Corral. So these two guys, they got to enjoy the feast. Enter into the joy of your of the master. That's what Jesus, that's what the master told these servants. Enter into the joy of the master. Now I just want to say that so that no one gets confused. Salvation is not based on works. It's not how hard we work or you know, if we were a good investor, it's based on faith. But like James says in his book, faith without works is dead. I will show you my faith by my work. See, God has given us so much. He's given us so much mercy, so much love. He gave his son to die on the cross for the for for the forgiveness of our sins. He gave you your life, such a valuable thing that it is. He gave you your time, your strength, your mind, your health, your emotions, your friends, your family. All of this has been entrusted to us. And what do we do with what God has given to us. Do we increase the master's assets? Do we grow God's kingdom by investing that love in others? Or we, or do we bury it into the ground? Spending what God has given us on worthless things like dirt. What will be your report when you stand before the master, when he comes to settle accounts with you, which of these servants will you be? Master, I made five talents more. Or, master, I buried the talent into the ground. And what will be the, uh, the, the master's answer? Well done, good and faithful servant. Or, you wicked and slothful servant. Or, Enter into the joy of your master or cast that servant out into the outer darkness. I wish I could paint a better picture for you today. You know, maybe I wish I could give you a more encouraging word or something, you know, that's just all about love. But what does it say? It is like this is what the kingdom of God is like. It's like a master who went away. Entrusted property to servants, came back, settled accounts with them, rewarded some, and cast the other one out to the outer darkness. That's what the kingdom of God is like. So we need to uh, realize that this is what the truth is, and this is not just this is a heavy thing. It's a weighty matter. It's not just it's not it's not nothing. This is something significant. It's something important. This is what the kingdom of God is like. This is your life. This is reality. Now, what are you going to do with it? I invite you to stand to your feet this afternoon. But thank God that he is merciful. And thank God that he is patient. And thank God that he is loving and forgiving. You know, there's another parable in the Bible it talks about a, a son who was given an inheritance, also about money. And he went and wasted it. He buried his inheritance into the ground, we could say. But then he realizes, I was wrong. He returns to his father, and his father accepts him with open arms. That is also what the kingdom of God is like. 
So I don't know, maybe right now in your life, you're like, I am acting more like the servant who buried his uh, talent into the ground. Or maybe you could be like, you know what, I am like that son that uh, took the inheritance and wasted it. But you can turn it around. You can, you can say, I'm going to go back to that hole where I buried my talent. I'm going to dig it up. And now I am going to put it to work. And you know what? When you do that and the master comes back, he will also say, well done, good and faithful servant. So many parables. This book, read this book. Read this book. It will tell you what the kingdom of God is like. Let us uh, pray. Father God, we thank you for this word. I pray wisdom over each and every person here, Lord. I pray that we will be we will have the wisdom to be like the servants who who took what was given to us and used it wisely and worked for the kingdom of God. And for those of us who who maybe And really, it's all of us, Lord. We've all made unwise decisions. There's not one person here who has not been at one point like that servant who buried his talent in the ground. But I thank you because you are merciful and you are forgiving and you are patient. And you give us the opportunity, Lord, to repent, to come back to you, to change our ways, to change our investment strategy. So right now, Lord, I pray that you would touch our hearts and touch our minds, Father. Turn us away from from worthless things that have no future value, Lord. Let us realize what is truly important. Those things that that are valuable in heaven, what is valuable to, to you, O Lord. Move our hearts so that we work for what is valuable to you and not what is valuable to us. Work in our hearts, Father. Turn us away from from a lifestyle of being a wicked and slothful servant, Lord. Lord, I pray that this, this, this word, this parable... It would be something that, that that stays with us, that we remember as we go through life, as we make decisions. That we are responsible for what you have given us. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like a prayer this morning, I invite you. We hope you've enjoyed this message. We'd love to hear your story about how you've been blessed by this ministry or how we can pray for you. To connect with us, you can email us at amen at myemmanuelchurch.com. And if you would like to support us financially, you can give online at myemmanuelchurch.com slash give. Also, if you're in the area, we'd love to see you in person for the full worship experience. Thanks again, and we hope you have a blessed week.